world. Surpass first point guard and trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen. Free on all platforms. Coming at you five days a week, Monday through Friday. So make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked on Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, we're talking about the Blazers' win in Detroit. They go back-to-back with wins in Orlando in Detroit to set themselves up for hope or something. Or maybe rooting for them to lose to to blow it entirely. But we'll talk about that game against the Pistons. And they want to play a little bit of uh, a game of who should stick around. The Blazers played eight players tonight. And I want to ask the question. Out of those eight, how many are you comfortable with being day one rotation players when the season begins When the season begins in the fall? And then we'll look ahead to Shaden Sharp. What can we expect a little bit of year two of Shaden Sharp using some other guys drafted in his same range, Who what they did after the rookie seasons and the beginning of their sophomore campaigns? That's what we'll do. As promised this week, and you know, for, for much of the rest of the show, we're going to mostly look ahead. We're going to take a wider lens uh, midway down the horizon, as I have described it. Not too deep, but just a little bit further ahead because the present of this team is a little bit less interesting than the future of this team. But, but the present of this team has Damian Lillard. And I do not want to take for granted how special Dame is. He's in the midst of the best season of his of his career. He's, he's having the most efficient offensive season of his career as a 32-year-old. He is uh, probably the best point guard in the NBA this season, depending on what position you think Luka Doncic plays. He is a first-team All-NBA or almost, you know, maybe not almost certainly because the Blazers are... They might end up like 12th or 13th in the West. Uh, but if, you know, if, if they're in the mix in the in the postseason, if they get, you know, if they make the playoffs, I, I think Damon Lord's, it's not exactly how the voting works. It's a regular season award. But, I, but you know, if the Blazers climb up the standings to end this year, I think it'll help Dame's campaign. Like, he's a, he's a first-team All-NBA talent. Whether he is that or the second team remains to be seen. But he's he's been incredible. Uh, while we're looking ahead to the future, the future includes Dame still being really special, but I don't want to get it lost in all of this, how special he's been. But I do want to do the fastest recap in the West here. The Blazers go into Detroit and beat a... The, the Pistons were 15-49 and 49 coming into this game. Already without Cade Cunningham, who's been out most of the year. Without Jalen Duran, their rookie, who's who's missed a big chunk of, of, of recent play. No, no beef stew. Isaiah Stewart's out in this one. Boyan Bogdanovich, who's been their best player all season, not playing in this one. And Killian Hayes, who's been Cade Cunningham's primary backup, not playing in this one. A 15-49 and 49 Pistons team missing, uh, I wouldn't say five. I wouldn't really count Cade. It's not fair to count long-term injuries. But like f- four rotation players, even just th- three, if, you, if, if Duren's missed enough time recently for that you're like, yeah, he doesn't count either. Missing a big chunk of dudes who play regularly a 15-win team. And the Blazers go in and they beat them. Here's a fast recap in the West. Blazers win 110-104. They led early 31-18. They led by as many as 17 in the second quarter and took a 58-51 lead into the break. A seven-point lead at halftime. Uh, Dame had 21 in the first half. Trenton Watt for 10 points on 5-5 shooting. It looked like the Blazers were, were you know, they weren't they hadn't really pulled away, but they built that 17-point lead and then kind of let the claw back and it felt like okay they're gonna you know focus a little bit in that third quarter and get it going they and they do behind 17 from jeremy grant in the third they take an 89 74 lead into the fourth low scoring kind of rock fighty type game uh neither team could really get it get it in a groove on offense but blazers up 15 heading into the fourth 
They didn't put him away. Opening minute 45 of the, of the third, they uh, or the fourth rather, with an all bench lineup in the game, they give they give a, a, a big chunk of the lead back. It's all of a sudden a 10 point game with with uh, uh, Detroit at the line shooting free throws. They got to bring Damon and Jeremy Grant back above the 10 minute mark, and the Detroit got as close as six in the final minute and 39 seconds. Uh, they had a three pointer down down six that would have cut it to three after Damian Lillard turnover, but that was off. Uh, and Portland, while they weren't dominant, they do hold on for that one, uh, 110-104 victory. A very rare, a very rare, just their eighth all-season, eighth all-season win without scoring 115 points. That's your fastest recap in the West. Damian Lillard, 31 points, a team-high 13 rebounds, a team-high 13 assists, or excuse me, 12 assists, 31, 13, and 12 boy was he good in this game he finishes with his third career triple double his second of the season uh he's you know he spent uh 10 years of his career not getting triple doubles and now in his in his uh year 11 he's getting triple doubles with some regularity jeremy grant on the strength of 17 in the third quarter finishes with 26 points six boards uh 13 from cam reddish 10 from drew eubanks 12 from trenton watford on the bench who had just two after halftime on the other side uh isaiah livers 17 points uh 13 from Jaden ivy 13 from alec burks 10 points and eight boards from marvin bagley 12 and 7 from uh james wiseman before he fouled out and 14 off the bench from the veteran kojo Corey joseph uh, this game was mostly going to be about if the Blazers lost, like it was going to be notable if they lost. Um, it was, you know, it's the, depending on what you want, like I can understand why there are some fans who have turned to the other side and said like, they should lose these games. <laughs> like they got to figure out a way to lose them. Uh, they, but they're trying to win. The players are trying to win. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to talk really. I'm not going to be screaming about like lottery odds and stuff. Like they're, 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 competitive Chauncey Billups played this game in a competitive manner he only played eight guys I'm I'm still like I'm not going to get too much into this because I think it's a little bit annoying to just like scream about um coaching rotations but Nasir Little played 15 minutes tonight they played eight guys and he played 15 Cam Reddish played 40 uh I kind of get it because Cam Reddish can dribble and Nas is it just really can't is not much of a ball handler and Cam Reddish can pass a little bit and Nazir Little's not much of a playmaker. He's pretty much strictly a play finisher and at this point he's really turned into just like a long range bomber. Um, you know he's he he can get inside but he takes a lot of pull up jumpers. He doesn't get all the way to the rim because his handle isn't strong enough to get him all the way there. But it's not like Nazir Little's bad. Um, and I'm not screaming for him to play 30 minutes. I just think like splitting some of those minutes would be fine. Uh, playing. You know, Jeremy Grant and Cam Reddish, 40 minutes in the second night of a back-to-back. More than anything else, it just tells you that they, they were trying to win this game. They were committed, absolutely committed to winning this game, and, and they didn't play well enough to pull away from a super undermanned uh, Detroit team. It's, you know, the Pistons are bad, and the Blazers didn't play particularly well, but Dame was really special, and they won the game. You know, Dame was 10 of 28 from the floor. He was, he actually shot well from three, six of six of 14 is a good shooting night from three. He was four of 14 inside the arc, could, could not finish and didn't get to the free throw line. Five of six from the free throw line. A lot of that came late. Uh, you know, did, did not, did not uh, attempt a third free throw until the fourth quarter. So it was, um, it was just, he, he couldn't, it was, I didn't think he was like getting robbed, but there were some there were some foul calls that sometimes he gets. He didn't get it was physical going to the rim. Um, he missed. Uh, there was one a pretty egregious one, but for the most part, just physical game. Didn't get didn't wasn't 
didn't get calls, so sometimes he does get, uh, and didn't finish inside particularly well. Some of that may, be, may have been because of the physicality and how big Detroit is. They played a lot of minutes with Bagley and Wiseman on the court. They're just big, big size has, size has value, albeit with some limitations. Mostly this game is noteworthy because the Blazers got out of it. It would be much more meaningful if they lost. It'd be like a, ooh, ooh. some of you maybe would be the trumpets. They did it. Uh, start the parade. Uh, but like, they survive, they move forward, they're still right there in the hunt, right there in the mix for the play-in tournament, and it it's about to get really hard on this road trip. Boston, Philly, New Orleans to close it out with the final three on the road. Um, you want to win this game just to give yourself a chance to come away with a, uh, with a reasonable shot at, at, at having a, uh, a 500 road trip if you're trying to be competitive. Obviously, you want to do better if you're trying to move up in the standings, but for right now, I think the Blazers treading water would be a perfectly acceptable place for them to be, particularly going up against two teams that could conceivably win a title in Boston and Philly in your next couple of games. As I mentioned, Chauncey Billups played this kind of like a... The last two nights, he's played eight guys. No Jabari Walker cameo. It's just here are the eight dudes. I, you know, no no Nurk in this game. No Anthony Simons in this game. Still no Justice Winslow. Those three gentlemen remain out. Uh, Billups is playing this rotation much like he is trying to make the playoffs. This is a playoff-level rotation with eight guys and the eighth guy, Nazir Little, playing just 15 minutes. Like, this is a very, very tight bench. And... Um, I want to lean into that idea with asking the simple question of the eight players that play tonight. How many of them are you comfortable being day one contributors when the season starts next fall? Let's answer that question in the second segment. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar. Best tasting protein bar that there is. I like cookies and cream. I like peanut butter brownie. I like them because on average, 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, four net carbs. They pack a punch. They're not going to load you up with a bunch of unhealthy stuff or a bunch of artificial flavors. They just are delicious, covered in 100% chocolate, and they fuel you for what you need. If Whether you need to work out or whether you need to uh, get a little energy before uh, you record a podcast late in the evening, whatever it might be, uh, Built Bar is going to be there for you. You can go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off. Or now, for the very first time, you can go to a Sam's Club or a Walmart near you and buy yourself a box. Buy a four-pack, see what you like. Buy a 13-pack once you find out what you like and take home the big box. Go and check them out. That's Built Bar. All right. Let's play a game. I'm playing it with myself, but you should play play, play along at home. We're going to run down the eight players who played tonight and answer a simple question. How comfortable are you with them being day one contributors next year? With the caveat, the idea this summer is that the Blazers improve enough such that when the season starts, it is reasonable to talk about them as a Western Conference finalist. I don't think they're going to vault one. I mean, maybe something really fun happens. Vault themselves into the like inner circle of contenders. But I think what what like a reasonable goal for them is to add enough talent that you can sit there when the season opens and say like, this team can make the Western Conference Finals because there's, you know, they're one of the five best teams in the West. And if you're by virtue of being one of the five best teams in the West, having one of the five best rosters in the West, you have a legitimate shot of making the Western Conference Finals. Um, I, I think this year there was some, there, even the most optimistic folks thought like, yeah, if the Blazers really get right, 
um, it'll it'll happen. Actually, an emailer this week told me that they had predicted the Blazers win 50 games. So there are actually many of you out there who are who are more optimistic than I was. But you know, I think realistically, like the general sense of what the Blazers were, we're like, hey, if things break right, this team avoids the play-in. I'm talking about vaulting up a tier and a half, not from comfortably out of the play-in, but from beyond that to this team can win two playoff series and be in the Western Conference Finals. With that in mind, assume like I we'll talk about how they get there at a later date. That's the off-season conversation or a little deeper into the season conversation. But with that caveat, right? Like with that idea, stipulation, I think is the right word. With that stipulated, this is a team that can make the Western Conference Finals. How many of the eight players that played tonight are you comfortable with start with being in the playing rotation when the season starts? Starts next fall. The two obvious ones. I think you're comfortable comfortable with Damian Lamont, Ollie Lillard Sr. playing an opening night. Uh, he's probably the best player in franchise history. At worst, he is the second best player in franchise history. With apologies to Bill Walton. Um, yeah, Dame's on the list. <laughs> surprise, surprise. He's penciled in. We're not going to mention too much about him. Just a reminder. Really special. Really, a really, really special player. Uh, don't do not take for granted how special he's been this season. It is the there. There are only so many seasons for the NBA greats where they are as good as they can possibly be. Right now, Dame is as good as he can possibly be. So even if it's the Pistons at a 4 p.m. local start here in Portland. Try to find some time to tune in or maybe listen to the podcast and hold on to the the joy that is Damian Lillard because um he, he's just he's just been great. I'm pretty comfortable with him starting in the fall. I, I'm I'm cool with that. Throw Jeremy Grant in there too. I'm comfortable with Jeremy Grant starting in the fall. I, I think um Grant is something st- starts on something like, you know, 30 teams in the league, except for the uh teams that can't afford him. That's like the teams he would he like he wouldn't start on the Clippers or whatever, because they've got two other guys. Uh, in front of him, probably wouldn't start on the Bucks for the same reason. Um, but like he, he would probably start on the Celtics. Uh, he would start for the. He would start on the Suns. Very they. Oh boy, would they be good with him? Um, like he's he, you know he's a starting level NBA player. He's really he's really good even with his even with some of his flaws. He's a very good basketball player and he was good tonight against the Pistons. Uh, he also got a really funny tech in this game when he he had he tipped away um, a pass. Got out on the break and uh, or he blocked a shot rather and and he deflected a shot like on a pull up jump shot from Jaden Ivey. He he ran the other way, um, you know, g- gets a hit a hit ahead pass and goes the other way and goes into a crowd and gets absolutely mauled like just fouled twice by two different guys at the rim, uh, hacked all the way across his forearm, no call, and then he he just starts yelling swear words at the ref as you do, and the ref kind of lets it play out like are the Pistons going to score a fast break? okay, they're not. Now I'll stop the clock and now I'll I'll calmly give you a T and then they cut over to Jeremy and he was still saying the F word a bunch. It was hilarious. Jeremy Grant, um, yeah, those are in the duh category for me. Those two dudes, comfortable with them starting in the fall. The yep, which is like, yep, you know, is not not as confident as a duh, but yep, yeah, those dudes will play when the season starts. Two of them are restricted free agents, and I think that's a good sign for the Blazers that I feel comfortable with Cam Reddish and Matisse Thibel both being rotation players on day one next season. Matisse's lack of offense is starting to show up a little bit in recent games. Um, 
you know, he's been empowered to do more, but he still has some real limitations on offense. He's, um, you know, he just doesn't have a lot of juice off the dribble to get himself places. He's not much of a shooter, even though he shot really well in Portland. And I think that showed up a little bit. But he's a defensive playmaker, and I think there is a world in which the Blazers just need defensive specialists, and he could be that. Um, he's got the length to be impactful. When you're kind of dreaming up a who might you play next to Dame, someone like Tease who shoots a little better is there, and Tease shooting a little bit better is like a very reasonable thing because he's going to, you know, he's going to shoot a bunch of catch and shoot jumpers on this team, on this roster. And I think he can, I think with the green light and the confidence he can improve from something like a 33% career shooter to let, you know, he's, he, he's on such low volume that like he, he would be, if he just made like something like 15 more threes, he'd be like a career average. He'd be like a league average three point shooter, but like something like a slightly below average league shooter in the league on decent volume, I think is, is a reasonable goal for Matisse. And I don't think it's that far out of reach. I'm comfortable with him playing pretty comfortable with Cam Radish playing. He's inconsistent and his shot selection is, is pretty wonky. Um, he can make some, he makes some weird choices when to shoot um, pull-ups and he kind of sometimes gets too deep into the paint, but he can, his handles really nice for his, for how big he is. Um, he's not a point guard and he's not like this elite passer, but for the size, you know, six, eight, six, nine, he can handle, um, he can, he can make plays. He can shoot with his feet sets for the most part. He shot pretty well with his feet set. Um, I, I think he's a rotation player. I, I think why these gentlemen are in the yep category is because I think they're bench players. I think and on a really good team, Matisse Thibel and Cam Reddish coming off the bench, you're like, oh yeah, useful wings. You know, you don't want them to play big, big minutes um, if you're going to be a really good team. But if you're like, if you are a really good team and you have to play Matisse Thibel and Cam Reddish 17 minutes a piece, you're in good shape. You're in good shape. Like you're going to be a very competitive team. That is assuming that the people in front of them have earned that, you know, that 28 minutes they're playing in front of them or whatever the math is there, uh, 31 minutes that they're playing in front of them. Like that's, that's, that's the calculation here that I'm doing. How they get there, that's a long, that's for another conversation, but just for the exercise, comfortable with both Tease and Cam playing. I'm not as comfortable with Nazir Little, but I'm putting him in the category. Um, I think he can play and he can help. I do not think Chauncey Billups trusts him, and I do think his lack of ball handling, lack of playmaking is is what's holding him back right now because that's what the Blazers need. But on a different lineup, he can shoot it. He can shoot it, and he's a really good athlete, and he plays hard. Um, like... I have no. I, if if Nazir Little was your was the eighth guy off the bench, and you, and your wing the wing group off the bench was Cam Reddish, Matisse Thybulle, and Nazir Little, those three came in off the bench and played you know two, three, and four of any and basically any combination. I would feel really good about where the Blazers are. I feel like those useful bench parts, not elite, not elite, but useful bench parts. I'd feel good about that. Those are in the yep category. In the in the fine category, like if they do play, it's fine because I think they're okay players. But I wouldn't if you're. If you're penciling in, this team makes the Western Conference, I think they'd be out of the rotation, makes the Western Conference Finals, they'd be out of the rotation. Drew Eubanks and, and Trenton Wofford. Drew Eubanks has proven that he is a very capable backup center. He's also proven that he is not quite a starting center in the NBA, which is not a surprise. I think it's more of a surprise that he's proven to be a very capable backup center than the other way around. I was probably more concerned about how what level he's outperformed my expectations for him for sure um, but he's also recently kind of been exposed as a guy you know if, if you need to play drew eubanks 30 minutes a night his he'll get exposed a little bit and he has been exposed a little bit his offense has been exposed a little bit his defense has been exposed a little bit if he's a low minute guy 18 to 20 
he's he's competitive. He plays hard. You're not going to get cheated in his minutes. Um, he kind of understands his limitations, so he's not going to. He, he absolutely understands his limitations. He's not going to do stupid stuff. So in general, like I think, I think you're getting. I, I like I think Drew Eubanks. If if he is a backup center, it's fine. It's just like if you're trying to build a Western Conference finalist team, I'm not sure that's what you want. And same with Trendon. He's just a weird player. Like he's really good at the things he's really good at and the things he's really bad at. He's not a rebounder, not a defender, not much of a shooter yet. Um, those show up, and I think that that's the problem. So they're in my. Fine. Like if you told me they were starting, I'm like, eh, that's fine. But I'm but I'm not excited. And I think if you're building a Western Conference finalist, those two gentlemen are not in the rotation on day one. And then it's the maybe. Shane Sharp, really talented. He'll be 20 years old when the season starts. Doesn't turn 21 until until the spring of next year. Or the spring of 2025, rather. Um, like uh that is not right. Spring spring of 2024, May of 2024. I apologize. Uh he he can he can play basketball but can a 20 year old be a high level contributor on a team that wins multiple playoff series i think the answer is by the time you get to the playoffs maybe but the question is, what is he going to be like day one? And that's what I want to answer to close the show. I, I, I went in a, kind of an inexact way to think about what Sharp's year two might look like. So let's get into that to close the show and talk about Shaden Sharp as a contributor in year two. Join me there, won't you? But first, let me tell you about prize picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. That's right. It's, it is the... Uh, it is the service where you pick between two and six players. <laughs> and uh, you just go, you against the prize picks projections. I play basketball, but you can play all the other sports if you want to. NHL still rolling along. You got MLS. You're, uh, you're, you are going to get... Uh, the NHL as they head down the stretch and into their postseason as well. And and for me, it's basketball, it's points, rebounds, assists. Price pick sets the lines. I pick over and under those projections. Uh, you you can win up to 25 times your money if you get them all right. And right now, for first-time users, put in the promo code locked on to get a hundred percent deposit match on your first deposit up to one hundred dollars. That means you put in a hundred bucks, you get a hundred bucks. You put in fifty bucks, you get fifty bucks. It's super simple. Go take advantage today. Sign up at prizepicks.com or use the app and make sure when you do use that promo code locked on still a pass first point guard still mike richmond you are still listening to locked on blazers let's talk about shade and sharp i think sharp has been up and down this year started out looked really special had you know had the, the pinky injury about 11 games in and really struggled for the following six weeks then he put another six weeks together where he looked like he was better then he put he had like a straight a two-week stretch here in, in, in heading into the all-star break just before the break where it was like he might have figured some stuff out i think he struggled a little bit recently um he is I think he's been aggressive driving the ball. I think that's a noticeable change. He's been a little more aggressive driving the ball. But his shot hasn't fallen as consistently recently. And I think some of his ball handling, like I think the scout is out that he's not much of a ball handler. They had tried to have him bring the ball up in, in this game. Um, it did not go well for him with 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 pressure around midcourt where he had to, you know, he had to make a move to get loose and then just trying to initiate the offense, got the ball poked away. Like it, this happens he's played 60 plus games 65 plus games they know what he can and can't do the other the other team does so it's like hey when when 
when 17 gets it, go get him, you know, like just go like really get into his Jersey and make him, make him dribble, make him make a play and all those things. Like don't give him space to rise up. Don't give him space to cut, you know, go get him. And I think he struggled a little bit. He's also 19. He's also a rookie. The sort of ups and downs, the undulations, the fluctuations of, of, of a young guy learning the ropes, getting scouted, figuring out a new thing, getting scouted, figuring out a new thing, inconsistency with stuff you can do. Hey, I can shoot it, but I'm just in a shooting slump and now I'm trying these things and my shooting hasn't progressed. Now I'm focusing back here. My shooting has stabilized a little bit, but I'm sure, you know, it's like, he just, he's just a guy who's learning. He needs reps and he's learning. I'm glad the Blazers are giving him reps and giving him minutes. You know, he played 20, 21 minutes tonight, finished with six points and three boards. Uh, you know, he's, he's a young player who has a great deal of potential. There are a host of young players with a great deal of potential who have taken them several seasons to hit like, okay, I am a positively impactful player. And I think that's my question with Shaden Sharp. Not whether he can be good or not whether I want to see him play next year. Of course I do. I enjoy watching him. He's dude's fun. But it's like, can, if you are under the stipulations laid out in segment number two, if you are building a team that is like a, a, short lister to make the Western Conference Finals. Can Shaden Sharp at 20 years old be a uh, be a contributor on night one? And I think the short answer is probably, and the long answer is it depends. So here's what I did. I looked at the most recent, the sixth most recent um, seventh overall picks and what they did from year one to year two. This is, Shaden went seventh overall, so that's why I picked it. It's pretty inexact. But I think it gives you a sense of possible outcomes and paints you a picture that, uh, you know, it's there are a lot of different paths from promising top 10 pick to where you might end up. Uh, let's go in all the way back to 2016 and we'll go in reverse order. And, and 2016 was Jamal Murray to the Denver Nuggets. As a rookie, he averaged nine points on 52% true shooting. Uh, as a sophomore, he he got going and was a good player on a good basketball team. Uh, they just missed the playoffs, but they won 46 games and, uh, you know, uh, lost in the, lost in game 83. Like this was, this was a good team about to be a very good team. And Jamal Murray was part of that. His, his second season year two averaged 16 points on 58% true shooting. So 16.7 points. So basically 17 on 58% true shooting. He took a jump. Uh, he, his efficiency took a jump. His, his played, he played 80 games, played regularly, like, he, he was someone who was, you know, looking like, you know, if he ever puts it together, he's got some promise as a, as a, as a freshman. And he was really a really good scorer in college. And by year two, he was already a very good player. And Jamal Murray is like, I don't know that he'll ever make an all-star team because it's very hard to do it in the West, but he is an all-star level talent. Like he's one of those dudes who, if he stays healthy, will be in the conversation each spring because he's that good. Um, as he's gotten healthier to end the season, he's, he's been really good recently. The following year was Lowry Markkinen, drafted by the uh, T Wolves, traded to, um, <laughs> traded to, traded to the Bulls in the Jimmy Butler nonsense saga. Um, Markkinen had been had been uh, had been good for for Chicago in, in uh, year one, fifteen and seven and a half. In year two, though, eighteen point seven points, nine boards, like his usage went up from 22 to 25 and he maintained like the same efficiency to jump up in usage and be equally as efficient is the test of good players. Jamal Murray and Lowry Markin and Markin made an all-star team this year is probably going to win most almost certainly going to win most improved player in the league. Like it took him a while after year two to kind of get all the way going and be very good again. Right? Like, 
um, he, he, he kind of, the graph went the other way briefly as, as sort of the systems changed and all that. Um, the personnel is what I really mean in, in Chicago around him um, and a role change in, in, in uh, Cleveland. But like these are two guys with Jamal Murray and Larry Markin that by year two, they were ready to go. They were probably both a little more productive. Jamal Murray's really similar production to Shaden Sharp and then was took a leap. Uh, Markin was much more productive in year one and then was like legitimate. And he was like, a, you know, a 19 and nine guys in second season of the league. He was very good. Uh, the following year, Wendell Carter Jr. to Chicago. Uh, he was more efficient shooting the ball, but not noticeably better. You know, had some injury stuff both seasons and, and it kind of um, it hindered his development a little bit. And he didn't really take off. He looks like a really good player in Orlando. He didn't really take off in those early years in, in Chicago. He's an example of a guy who was like, shows promise his rookie year, shows similar promise his sophomore year, but doesn't doesn't like appreciably improve. Just like, you know, subtly it gets a little bit better, matures, understands things. Um, just like in general, he shoots a little better, more efficient because he's like, you know, just played more basketball and knows, knows better where to get his spots and his teammates know him better. But, you know, largely the same production from year one to year two. It happens. Kobe White, the following year. Also with the Bulls, they love that seventh. They love that seventh pick, Markkinen, Wendell Carter Jr., and Kobe White. Uh, one they traded for, two they landed. Uh, Kobe White shot a lot better sophomore year than from his rookie season, and he learned about teammates. He did not pass the ball a single time his rookie season with the Bulls. I watched a lot of him play. He remembered that you can pass. He remembered that there are other players who wear your same jersey, and you're allowed to share the ball with them in year two. And his assist percentage jumped way up he still doesn't always know about his teammates um he's a bit he does know where the rim is my man has always known where the rim is but shot a little bit better and was 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 a generally more productive albeit still a negative contributor and i want like that's the thing with wendell carter jr and with uh kobe white like these were these were negative these were net negatives on the court even in year two even as guys getting better and playing these were net negatives on the court killing hayes the next seventh overall pick you know, he had a bummer rookie year where he was just hurt and didn't play very much. Um, and then year two, the second half of Killian Hayes' second season in the league, he started to show like, oh yeah, this is the the outlines of an NBA player. This is the outlines of an NBA player. Still a net negative, still not very good, um, but like he made improvements in that second season. Um, he was still, you know, a, a pretty, pretty, like I said, like a net negative. Like this is... Um, Hayes is probably profiles as like a career backup in the league. Um, I think he might have a long career cause he has some skills, um, and some, and the right sort of size and pace to his game. But, um, he's probably a long-term NBA backup could play 10 years in the league as a backup. That's pretty, that's a pretty good career. Um, he, he might surprise me and be better than that. Um, he might turn into French Ricky Rubio at some point, but, um, yeah, like year two, even after, a, after a really slow, um, rookie season and injury plague rookie season really played 16 games he kind of looked better albeit still bad that's three in a row Wendell Carter Jr. Kobe White Killian Hayes who are not positive contributors in in their second seasons I think this next guy Jonathan Kaminga the most the the second the seventh overall pick right before uh right before <laughs> Shane Sharp whose name I'm blanking on 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 locked on Blazers podcast really comparable to Sharp really 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 comparable to Sharp you know came out of the G League didn't didn't go the college route um and 
played a bunch of minutes uh, in his in his uh, his rookie season. Uh, didn't really play in the playoffs, but he got a bunch of minutes. Played something like thirteen hundred minutes as a rookie. Um, they they got him regularly into the game as like a, that 16, 17 minute, minute a night type of role. Uh, and then and in year two to begin the season, his and and even overall like. The efficiency numbers are down. He's super young. He's also 20 years old. He's super young, and the efficiency numbers are down. But if you watch Jonathan Kaminga, he is significantly better in year two than he was in year one. He knows how to play defense now. He still is. He still will bite on a shot fake. Um, but if he stays down, his length and his athleticism are really special. He can get to the rim. He's he's like he's strong. He's starting to figure out how to play basketball. I think Kaminga is a really interesting comp for what um, Sharp could be. They're not very similar players in any way, but like a guy who got a bunch of devel- developmental minutes as a teenager. Kaminga was the youngest player in the league. Uh, year two is is kind of trying to figure out where he fits in in the back half of rotation on a team that wants to win a title. I mean, it's not exactly comparable to what the Blazers will be, but they want to. They'll certainly be hopeful of that. And the way he got in was doing some like dirty work type of stuff. Even if his overall efficiency and sort of like if you just look at his raw box score numbers, you're not like, oh yeah, he got better. But if you if you've watched Kaminga this year, and I've watched a bunch of Warriors games, he's significantly better than he was a season ago. It's so like noticeably more impact, positively impactful uh, this season. So all of that is to say, a long, long-winded way of saying is like, I don't know if Shaden Sharp is a guaranteed positive contributor on a team in a Western Conference Finals. But if he leans, but he has like, you know, star potential. And the folks who are, in my mind, on this list who are like, you know, destined to be all-stars, borderline all-stars. Now, Jamal Murray is probably a like, career borderline all-star CJ McCollum career. Um, and Markinen might not make an all-star team ever again, but he's really, obviously, really talented. In year two, they were good basketball players. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. took him a little took him a little longer to get going. Kaminga, I think, is really a really good comparison. Like gonna still have a relatively, you know, a bench reserve type role, but you can figure out a way to find to be positively impactful, but you're just never going to be that big minutes, we can really rely on you type of guy. So with Sharp, I hope he progresses. I hope the defense comes around a little bit. I hope he becomes um, an even more consistent jump shooter. And I hope I really hope he tightens up his handle over the summer. But the question for the Blazers is how good can they be how good do they want to be? And can they balance this development with the back half of the rotation and special players like Shaden Sharp with really going for it? It's the dual timeline thing that I think has been confusing since the moment they drafted Sharp. Can you do both? The Warriors are struggling with that right now, and they're a much more talented team. Can the Blazers, who are going to be less talented when the season starts, follow that same path? It seems challenging. The bottom line is I want to see Shaden Sharp play, but I think if he is part of the regular rotation on night one, you are probably limiting what you can truly be unless Sharp takes a massive star-type jump, which is not unprecedented, but relatively rare when looking at recent guys who have followed his path, albeit with a very arbitrary way of doing it, uh, just for the sake of the podcast. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Tell your friends about the show. We got more of them coming later this week. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon.